Okay, City Limits on the air, and uh, it's the third Wednesday of the month. We must apologise for not being on air last week, but we were still getting control of the technology we're using because we are now pre-recording, but thanks to Karina uh, and Meg. Kimber out there, I'm Kevin Healy, by the way, and um, Meg and Karina, how are we? Doing all yeah. right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> right, we're okay, that's good. <laughs> when you said we hadn't... Excellent. We hadn't when you said we hadn't got control, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna finish that sentence with we hadn't got control of the means of production. I thought you were gonna get. <laughs> I thought you were well, gonna go full Marxist on us. At the moment, we're hoping we get there, but it's still a bit way off. I, I keep saying to people, when I was eighteen, I thought the revolution was coming next week, and I was just a few weeks out. Um, but uh, we won't ask you how old you are now, Kevin. In that well, in that period though, there was it was it did feel that way. I must admit, but let's mm. hope. Anyway, see what comes out of all this. But it is the third Wednesday. Exactly. That means we've got housing today, and we're going to be talking to Howard Marosi from uh, Friends of Public Housing a little later in the show. So, um, and and unfortunately, uh, the housing with the Action Group, Shane McGrath, wasn't available today. But if he's if he does listen in and thinks he could contribute. Don't bother ringing in Shane because, as you know, it's pre-recorded, so don't worry about it. Um, we, the uh, just just some some news items here floating around. A um, couple of weeks ago, this story appeared, um, and it um, said, and to do with certainly to do with the virus. Since the nineteen seventies, Australia has lost six species of frogs, and at the moment there are another five or six in danger. All could disappear in the next five to ten years. These frogs and many more around the world were impelled by the chydrid fungus, which causes an infectious disease. The fungus originated from the Korean Peninsula and has spread around the world. The disease has wiped out 90 species worldwide. So it's not just humans who are copying it at the moment. And mm. I suppose we could argue, in fact, um, that um, the way we're treating species and these diseases for humans are coming from species, um, there might be a real connection anyway about what we're doing to the planet and the fact that we're getting these viruses, I think. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch. That? Yeah, well, no. it's sad about those frogs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is. Well, I um, guess we've known and, this for a while, right? Ecologically, humans and, and, and the system under which we live is, is an absolute disaster. And between this and all the bushfires that happened over summer, it is. It's... It's not just us that that are affected. It's it's all of our it's all of our wildlife as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. That's right. Look, we haven't done something. I'll just I'll just see if we can hear this. I'll just pour a little bit of tea because we need that for this program. I won't know it's city limits if we don't do this. <laughs> Hang on a tick. See if we can hear this. See, there we are. A little bit of tea. Wow. A little bit. But seeing, we're recording, <laughs> seeing we're recording this late afternoon, you're trusting me that it really is tea and not something stronger, of course. Mm. Well, it's not but five there we o'clock go. yet. Yeah. No, it's not five o'clock. You're right. You got it, got it correct. Um, <laughs> and it's something after 10. I think also today we won't bother giving any um, time calls on this program. <laughs> there was an occasion when a friend of mine did time calls on a pre-recorded program and it was an absolute disaster, let me say. Um, <laughs> But uh, I won't tell you the full story now, but I'll tell you sometime when we see each other. It's a lovely little story. Um, but look, I do want to mention just one thing. Um, Elaine Cairns, who is um, a woman who, um, a wonderful community activist for many years, she moved down to the Mornington Peninsula recently. And in fact, the Mornington Peninsula um, Train Society, um, they 
paid a huge tribute to her in the last few days. She was sadly one of the victims of coronavirus last week. Um, she she moved she moved from Coburg to the Mornington Peninsula a few years ago, but she was also very active in this area, uh, particularly around things like the Saving the Upfield Line campaign in the 80s and 90s and those campaigns and a great community activist. And Elaine got back from overseas recently and unfortunately caught coronavirus and, um, and died last week. So I just thought it worth mentioning because she was a yeah. wonderful activist in, in communities, yeah. That's really sad. Which is a sad, sad start yeah. to the program, yeah. Um, but I also want to mention um, the fact that in the United States, they, they've sacked um, a, a Navy captain, Captain Brett Crozier, because he um, he warned his he actually said he wanted he wanted the the ship he he, he controlled scrutinised and he said there'd be dire outcomes for his crew if the Navy didn't act to evacuate most of them from the ship. And having mm. given a warning that they needed evacuation, instead of uh, the warning being heeded, he was sacked for uh, some mm. sort of breaking of secrets or something, as if it's a secret that there might be the odd bit of coronavirus on a ship. Yeah. He um, sent a, an email that was through unclassified channels and the accusation right, yeah. was that he had yeah. known that it would be, um, that it would be leaked. Picked up. Yeah, that's And then right. there'd already that's been right. like several cases of coronavirus on the ship. And there's like, there was about 5,000 people on the ship. Yeah. 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 And it's, yep. yeah, it's yep. a lot of time of war. So your, your priority is to keep those people alive. Yes, but apparently your priority is to the nation and not to your, not to the, not to the people you're commanding or any any of those things. Yeah. Um, another, another, well, in fact, subsequent to that, of course, a um, one of the the defence secretary was um, also sacked by the government because he he came out and said he said the the Rosie Crozier was too naive or too stupid to command anything anyway, and right. they they knocked him off for that. So then they're, they're going down like nine pins at the moment. Don't, they don't they really, don't need the virus. It's like that Domino's um, Domino's game. Where you just push one over and then they hit someone and they push someone else over. That's right. Well, I mean, and of course, with with Trump, with all the things he's been talking about, um, you know, he kicked off. He kicked off saying that he was uh, that it was just something very mild, didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he got to the stage of um, saying we'd all be in church on Easter Sunday. Then he decided it was a bit serious and a few people might die. But last week he came out with a with a comment. He saved lives by banning Chinese uh, entry into the US. And I thought, well, if he said he saved lives, I'd hate to see what would have happened if he hadn't um, with what's going on over there, because it's absolutely tragic, as we know. It is. But it's it's tragic that it's happening in a country where you've got someone like him who... um, who doesn't doesn't just has no idea how to handle the situation at all? And copying yeah. him, of course, is the is the is the is the fascist. He is a fascist, uh, Bolsonaro in Brazil, right. who said it was no, nothing more than a little flu, and he told reporters that the Brazilians and um, it won't. He said Brazilians' natural immunity will protect the nation. The Brazilians need to be studied. He doesn't catch anything. He's all he obviously. The Brazilians. There's no women there apparently. No. You see a guy jumping into sewage diving in right nothing happens to him i think a lot of people were already infected in brazil weeks or months ago and they already have the antibodies that help it not proliferate i'm hopeful that's that's really a reality now at the same time as he said that and all these people with all their um 
their immunity. Um, in fact, already there's been at that stage there were 4,000 deaths. This is a couple of weeks ago, and it's been growing ever mm. since, and many more cases. And in fact, um, in fact, a um, a woman um, he said. Well, in fact, Monica de Bolle, a Brazilian science at the Peters, science fellow at the Peterson Institute for International Economics, said, do you know what will happen, Bolsonaro? Brazil will stop. Your irresponsibility will bring thousands to avoidable deaths. The destroyed lungs of these people, as well as the organs of those who, uh, who won't be um, still alive, are uh, your, your responsibility, and Brazil will not spare you. So um, mm. he, um, he did cop a bit of a backlash on that one, I must admit. Interesting. And, and sim, yeah. And, and, I mean, it's just frightening that those sort of people can exist and run countries when you know they need to do something positive at the start, uh, mm. which Australia didn't do. But we've sort of caught up a bit here, and we're doing probably better than most, as it turns out. But um, and yeah, it looks that way. Yeah, um, a bloke, Moro Ferrari. Um, became president of the European Research Council on January 1, which is the European Union science body. But he resigned this week and he, he said uh, he had been extremely disappointed by the European response to the pandemic and complained about running into institutional and political obstacles as he sought to swiftly set up a scientific program to combat the virus. I have seen enough of both the governance of science and the political operations in the European Union. I have lost faith in the system itself. And he, he resigned after only a couple of months. So again, you've got places where clearly people aren't taking it nearly seriously enough, unfortunately. No, and you yeah. can see this happening as well in, in these countries with super irresponsible governments, like in Chile, for example, where there's already so much social rebellion happening and, you know, we're in the midst of trying to overturn these, these horrible conditions for healthcare for the everyday person. The health minister came out a couple of weeks ago, actually, and said something like, uh, what if... He came out in a public address and said, what if this virus mutates and turns into, he used the word, the phrase, a good person? It was like, well, what if it just, which is wildly irresponsible for a health What minister. does that even mean? What does it mean? Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Probably means himself. <laughs> well, yeah. And of course, as we know, yeah, rates there are skyrocketing as well because there's no such thing as a welfare state. So everybody's going to work. Everybody's catching the train to work. It's it's peak hour as usual. So, mm. so it's yeah, just made for the whole you, thing to spread. Mm. And have you both noticed like how the reporting has focused so much on Europe? Australia, of course, and it's a lot harder to find information about how things are in South America and in African continent and yeah, yeah, in other yeah, parts yeah, of the like world. The usual, the usual. And, yeah. and I, I wouldn't mind knowing what's happening in Cuba, actually, because of their health system, which is so far advanced to most other places. And um, yeah. but they, are, I, they are sending doctors to other places, so yeah. those doctors right. could bring it back, which is a bit of a pity. But um, I just yeah. I don't know what's happening there, but I'd like to know. They are. I know. You know pretty Karina, sure have you got any idea, Karina? I, I do think, I haven't looked into it extensively, but I do think one of the antivirals that they have used commonly against lots of viruses, they are testing it um, for its efficacy against this coronavirus. And they, they, 
it seems to be working. And I think that's one really important thing that a lot of people aren't mentioning is that for flattening the curve to even work for, um, I guess, physical isolation methods to work, um, we need to be doing all this stuff behind the scenes, right? All, all this research, um, changing, like upping the number of beds in hospitals and ICUs and improving kind of tracking data on people and testing on people that are confirmed cases. Because if none of that actually happens, then as soon as everybody goes out into the public again, that's going to peak again. And it, it's just delaying mm. that. So mm. I, do, I do know that they're doing tests with this, um, I can't remember the name of the drug currently, but it's a commonly used antiviral that seems to be working against it. And that's, I think, probably one of the most important things at this time as well to focus on, you know, the research. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, um, yeah, really, we can't. I, I'll be talking about it and I'll come to it later because business is desperately saying we have to relax the rules because they want people yeah. to go out and give them money. But mm -hmm. um, but really, until until we've got a vaccine or we know it's not in the community, it, it's quite unsafe to go out anyway, um, particularly mm -hmm. in, you know, people are, if, we, if we relax it to the point where a lot of people are out doing their normal stuff where they're mixing, mixing, and just seems to me that we just have to wait till it is gone and it's, it's unfortunate for us all but it's the best we can do mm. yeah but, and in um, the meantime yeah, the, the australian government have um just they're just they're having a break for quite a while they're, they're, they're august, put parliament yeah, on right. hold until <laughs> august yeah, yeah. Right. i mean you know if they're <laughs> but, having a break <laughs> let's all have a break yeah. shall we yeah, that's right. Well, that's right. We all have a break. I mean, I'm I'm feeling good because I'm doing absolutely nothing, and that's what the government tells me to do. So I think it's just lovely for a man prone to sloth and procrastination. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> and also, also, but, how often have you just like been on the same side of things as the government, Kevin? Um, this would be close to a first, I would have thought. Uh, very close <laughs> to a first. <laughs> but I've got to give them credit where credit's due. They told me to stop doing anything, so I did. Um, but uh, speaking of, um, here's a headline. I reckon if anyone wants to, as a betting man, I'd give you 10 to 1, this is not true, this headline. It was in, of all places, of course, the, the, the Herald Sun. But the headline was "Wage Theft Stops Now." Oh. Wage theft stops now. If anyone believes that, they can have ten to one off me. Um, because uh, yeah. the the state the state government's introducing a law where bosses could be up get up to ten years in jail. Although I'm, I think we'll wait a long time to see someone go to jail. But the headline fascinated me: "Wage theft stops now." And I thought, no, it will not. They will keep doing it. Yeah. And and on industrial in relations, all, yeah. Are they talking about all all areas, or are they? Well, it's got to be a serious areas? one, obviously. They say um, mm. uh, um, the state government vows to stamp out the practice that's become rampant across Australia. Um, Attorney General Hennessy said dishonesty, withholding wages, superannuation, or other employee entitlements would no longer be tolerated. We have seen, particularly over the past few years, some egregious and unfair and outrageous examples where people have effectively been victims of wage theft. The problem is systematic. That's why our laws will apply beyond wages and include allowances, gratuities, superannuation and other accruals such as leave, as well as ensuring directors and officers are held to account, etc. But um, 
anyway, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, mm. yeah, who knows? I wonder why they bring up this rhetoric now. It's it's a funny kind of reflection, I guess, isn't it, of this whole uh, talking about retail workers, especially in the US, as heroes and through the pandemic, mm -hmm. all these, you know, healthcare workers, they're heroes and cleaners and people who keep the country running. And yet there's no reflection of this in people's wages. Mm hmm no, none at all. And in fact, I mean, there's even the, the Herald Sun big claim this morning. The big, in, in terms of everything that's happening in the world at the moment, their front page story was that frontline medical staff can be able to park their cars free around the hospitals where they work. Um, that was the big story. And as you read on on the front page, you find they're just, just promoting themselves. The initiative has been put together by the Municipal Association of Victoria and the Andrews government and is a major win for the Herald Sun's Frontline Heroes campaign for parking fee relief and more support for those on the coronavirus front line. Wow. So that's the big story of the day in the Herald Sun. That's it. The generosity. Mm. Wow. Free parking. Yeah, they, Rupert Murdoch is nothing but generous. That's it. Mm. That's the point. But speaking of workers and the fact that they're so concerned about workers, another headline in the past week or so, um, the robots are coming, 2.7 million Australian jobs to disappear. Uh, this was a survey by the modelling done by the Australian Computer Society and says more than 7 million Australians could have their jobs either automated out of existence or augmented by robots and artificial intelligence in the next 15 years. About 2.7 million Australians hold jobs that could be completely replaced by automation by 2034, et cetera, et cetera. So while they're saying how much they love workers, they want to get rid of them. Oh, dear. So that is who knows? <laughs> That's right. And, 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 and we know staring that... sadly into the distance. <laughs> That's right. I am. I'm just so thinking 20... about. I'm just thinking about. Hopefully, this will shift some kind of discussion into people's general awareness into into the actual necessity of jobs in the first place. But you know, it's not. Uh, you know, there's ne there's never going to yeah. be an analysis of that in the uh, in the no, paper. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, the only analysis is that it's good to do this because it's, it's, it makes more money for the bosses. I, they always argue that the, this will then generate new jobs somewhere else and workers will have to train for them, etc. They always say that yeah, there'll be new jobs developing, but uh, will there be in every case? I'm sure there won't. Mm. And just on and on. on on the same, well, the, the virus has actually shown something up because, as we know, um, and, and people who work, as a couple of you do, I'm sure, at times in the um, in the hospitality industry, uh, they tell us that they really they have real trouble paying penalty rates, and penalty rates are a real burden on employers, mm -hmm. uh, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So they're always campaigning to have penalty rates lifted at weekends, and saying, you know, now we work a seven day week, etc. But a a um a cafe owner in Armadale, Armadale here in Melbourne, not Armadale in New South Wales, um he he's complaining that his revenue has dropped so much because he can only do takeaways now and it's down to two hundred dollars a day from as much as eleven hundred a day on weekdays and twenty five hundred a day on weekends. So eleven hundred a day on weekdays, twenty five hundred a day on weekends, which is more than double the take at weekends but they complain they can't afford to pay the workers the extra. And if I argue that um, 
yeah, the penalty rates are for unsocial working in this unsocial hours, but but in fact, um, the, the we now work a 24/7 week, etc. Then clearly that shows that for most people, the weekend is the time they do want to socialise. So those who have to work on those days are working unsocial hours in terms of wanting to socialise. Uh, but it's an interesting figure, I think, 1100 a day on weekdays, 2500 a day on weekends, but still they complain they can't afford to pay any extra to their workers on those weekend days when they take more than twice as much money. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's an interesting, there's a bit of an insight there into the, how the um, industry works, isn't it? Because in, just definitely in the hospitality industry and definitely in Melbourne, there's that kind of... Um, scarcity mindset where people accept the work that they can they accept like conditions that are not great and they accept pay that's not not the award pay at all and cash in hand and it all happens and everybody knows that it happens and um, the story about it is that it's not possible to run a business for that and also pay your workers like an appropriate living wage uh yeah, yeah. but um yeah i mean in the logic of capitalism or well the logic, let's not say logic of capitalism, but let's just say like in the logic of being nice to each other, if your business can't pay people a living wage, then maybe it shouldn't run. Yeah. You shouldn't be running the business, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that one. Of course, he wanted, a, he wanted, uh, he was crying out to have his, have a rent, um, the government subsidise his rent or some bloody thing at the time, you know, they, they, they wanted, we might get onto that with Howard later about the right. whole rental situation at the moment. Um, yeah. But of course, we, we've seen the government, in fact, pick up the, um, the pay packet for employers. Um, but there's been a few other um, issues coming up in terms of workers in this climate because uh, the medical staff at hospitals even they say they haven't got adequate protective material, protective material, really, mace masks and gloves and, and equipment, etc. Um, but the the um, hospital, the health workers union came out um, in the last um, few days and has pointed out that the other workers, and you know, there's plenty more workers. There's receptionists. There's you know, there's mm, the cleaning cleaners. staff. There's mm. all the there's food people do food, disability workers, all sorts of other op other people who are working in hospitals, and they've got mm. no equipment at all. And the unions crying out that they should have. Um, they should obviously have the protective equipment because they point out they're working in exactly the same places as uh, health workers who have the full gear on. Yeah. Um, and then there's so, also other unions, Kevin, isn't there other unions that have been insisting that, that work continues in some areas of the construction industry they've been pushing yeah, for people to keep that's working? Right. Is that's, that right? Yeah. That's right, they are. And there have been sort of yeah. deals done between the bosses and the union there about conditions, etc. Um, yeah. We might even mention that because Howard's been working on some of this stuff as well, not just not of housing, but the union matters that um, where in fact, um, yeah, there probably there have been a lot of concessions made by unions that, uh, mm -hmm. that maybe they shouldn't have. Well, but anyway, we'll come to that mm -hmm. because in fact, yep. a lot of the bosses are now, there are many of the bosses' organisations are now saying that the the lifting of certain regulations and award conditions, etc., because of the virus, should remain permanent after it's all over. So they're using it as an excuse to uh, attack right. workers even harder on wages and conditions. Of course, so yeah, that's that's yep. another one. There was the situation also where the maritime union, you know, was called up because it refused to unload a ship until it had spent 14 days from its last port, 
mm-hmm. uh, and they were, you know, the, the, everyone was complaining, saying, "Oh, there were masks," and the old story, you know, the carry, the, mm-hmm. the crying, tears flowing. There were masks and other medical equipment there that they refused to unload. Isn't this terrible? But of course, mm-hmm. if they went on without the 14 days, and the workers are putting themselves at risk, but uh, mm-hmm. they were the ones being attacked over the whole bloody incident. Yeah, look, we'll have to go to Howard soon, but um, just on yep. that note, and there was the um, s- several commentators who basically had said that older people should be willing or even happy to risk their lives and die basically for capitalism, like the governor of Texas um, was one commentator, and there's been others who've made... And there was an opinion piece, I think, in The Age or something... Um, basically saying, you know, there's too many older people and, yeah, like sickening things. That's like get rid of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but, I mean, they're, basically, well, the- they're basically saying, like, if you, if you unload ships for a living, you should be willing to risk your life. Because because you know, <laughs> yeah. capitalism is people. That's very specifically Specific for people. old yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. People. Yeah. 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 yeah, well, just on that, we will go, we'll take a break after this. But a bloke called John Moody, who runs a finance company, which he says has dropped, it's, he's, he's, his loans have dropped 50% or some enormous amount, and he's very upset about it. But he came out with this, he wants, he clearly wants the regulations lifted uh, and the lockdown list, um, lockdown lifted so people can go and borrow of him at his, at his non exorbitant interest rates. And he he. This is true. He actually, these are his words. He said, "Many of those dying were already sick." Now, he's yeah. in in a way. I mean, in fairness, he is spot on there because most people who die get sick first. So he's right. They were. <laughs> um, so you know, sickness often precedes death. That's uh, but true. then he said, and this is this is this is the most amazing comment, and he, this is an argument. This is his argument for saying we don't need to have all these restrictions. I wonder how many of the deaths that will be attributed to COVID nineteen would have occurred within the next year or so anyway. Uh, it's time for our political leaders to take a reality a reality pill, and um, etc. Before it's too late. So, you know. So we oldies, he thinks, are going to die anyway in the next couple of years, and young people drive cars and wrap them around trees and kill their mates, etc. So um, that's it. So we just have to lift everything so he can uh, keep loaning money to people. It's interesting it's how it's just isn't it amazing how convinced people are about you know that the that the market economy should continue that that when it comes to even yeah. this point of life and death they're like yeah but i guess we shouldn't really be surprised because that has already happened no it's great morality isn't it and he yeah. he um well of course the, yeah they they um they wanted to go on etc but when it gets into into extreme crisis of course as in as in the um the financial crisis of 070809 he um uh, they they in fact um, cry out for government to come and save them, and uh, right. and then yeah. put them back on their feet and, and keep going. But um, anyway, yeah. uh, but the usual line. I mean, the, the small business um, councils called for unfair dismissal claims to be to be um, abandoned during uh, this time, so that no workers who lose their jobs in this can sue for unfair dismissal. And um, the, the in fact one mob. Have, have said that many workers on low wages will get more with the $1,500, they'll get more than they're getting now. And they say that should be stopped. 
you know, mm. I mean, obviously don't want workers getting used to having more money than they should. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a, going to be interesting to see how they implement that. Yep. Well, we should, so should take, we take a, a break, break and, go to, and go to Howard. Housing for the Aged Action Group has gone digital to help stop the spread of the coronavirus, but we're still here. If you're over 50 years old and having problems with your housing, we can help. If you're having trouble paying the rent, problems with your retirement village manager, or concerned about your caravan park, give us a call on 1300 765 178. We can also help connect you with aged care services and emergency relief if you need it. Stay safe, everyone. On Monday the 23rd of March, 3CR closed its doors to all presenters so that we could do our bit to help stop the spread of COVID-19. We understand that it's important for people to be able to stay at home at this time in order to reduce the number of people affected and thereby reduce the stress on our health system. Since the 3CR shutdown, programmers and volunteers have been working remotely to create new content and produce their show from home. We'll continue to bring you dynamic, up-to-date community radio during the COVID-19 crisis, so keep listening. Lush bunches of grapes, it tastes like it tastes. What a waste to overthink this space. Let the skin break. The soft scent essence, marinade and light hues. The color of palms on avenues. Cellular speech, my girl mad with me, hating the text. And held deep and penetrate with the breath. It's all love, baby. Roundabout ways to say you crazy. Wish I had taken the train. I could bliss out and maintain. Dang. Fish and cinnamon Turmeric root to counteract the venomous Lemonous fresh hot water honey for stress The day's in near it Sky like God's hands Man lights the land and the street lights dance Sake is in a When we hear ya, shit is so clear I'm catching peace like peaches and beer The splash release a masterpiece Some visions are free More better blues and remakes from the 90s Step your right This world I'm living in Was once part of a dead man's dream Interpreted it remains How real are the chains Switch lanes, faded, holding tight to the lines A slight lean, Mingus on mine It's all time, take the 60 east and toast the chiefs Hills border the street, dead reefs, life too brief Our coast oceans are desert to a place to sleep It's MV, taste and see, we still free, maybe So fish and cinnamon Heart and cease my mind to peace A piece of fiction I wouldn't pawn for the finest leaf 
Leaflets of Malcolm's honored speech. Leaflets the fear of Nostradamus lead like reruns and repetitions so extra. Return to Mecca, release the pressure. Love I could measure like him on that rock. Sunset seashells, rice with red sauce. Sage on my mountain burns until the beat drop. Until the beat stop, the waves that we watch. Born from desert drums, bones of cyclops. Ground equals fly. Time was deadlock, elevation was gone. The meters was mean. Elder crows, crews, low bumping, soft machine glow. High tops and halos, low socks, dinners. They old, the winters they cold, the summers they hold. It's so soft. Okay, back with City Limits, and we've got Howard Morosi from French Public Housing on the on the line. And uh, Howard, thanks for calling in in this situation today because it's um, it is a difficult circumstance. But thanks for participating. Um, just we'll, we'll kick off. Well, I, I ended the last bit on industrial relations. Um, just on, on before we get on to housing per se, um, I know you were saying to me you're concerned that many of the conditions that workers are giving up during this time um, in order to get some money coming in. Uh, bosses may well try to make permanent after the after the whole thing's over. And in fact, some bosses have been making those sort of comments. Uh, your feeling about that? Uh, yeah, well, I guess they'll try. But as far as I know at the moment, they don't have the power to do that. Um, the I think the mining bosses were trying to get the uh, award conditions rolled back, but even the um, federal government was opposed to that. So uh, I haven't heard the latest, but that was the latest I'd heard. Yeah, we'll wait and see, I think, when it comes to the end, because I think they're going to really fight hard for that, unfortunately. Um, but on housing, um, any any thoughts? Your, your, uh, anything you want to report to us first up? Yeah, well, there's a lot actually just to do with um, coronavirus. So... Um, uh, the, the, one of the big issues is rough sleeping and homelessness. So um, uh, there's a, a petition going on um, uh, change.org, if people want to look that up and sign that. Um, as well, we've had some comment on Crikey from Guy Rundle, who um, has pointed out that the Tasmanian Liberal government is actually giving a moratorium on rents. Um, Whereas Victoria still hasn't, as far as I know, still hasn't moved on that. Um, and so and we've also had Boris Johnson um, uh, moving on um, homelessness. So Boris Johnson over in Britain has actually promised to put all the homeless people in hotels the duration of the coronavirus crisis. And um, Dismal Dan Andrews has promised $6 million uh, to reduce it, but he hasn't taken any significant um, action. Um, Guy Rundle points out that it would be possible for the government just to take all the unlet apartments in Melbourne um, and pay a nominal fee, given that they haven't been collecting rent, and put the homeless in those. Um, and uh, there's other states also that have been doing things. Uh, South Australia, which I think is the Liberal government, um, is housing 220 rough sleepers. Um, and uh, Western Australia as well, a one-month trial for 20 rough sleepers uh, in the Pan Pacific Hotel. If successful, the program will take up 120 rooms and be expanded to include people experiencing domestic violence and mental health, health issues. Um, 
So again, I think we're talking about liberal liberal governments there. Um, the New South Wales government also a liberal government is talking about residential rent relief um, for if and and giving relief to uh, for land tax for landlords on condition they pass the savings on to tenants, which is obviously a very easy thing for a government to do. Uh, I suppose it's not easy to give up your revenue from uh, land tax. Um, but in this climate, you would expect uh, government to do something. I haven't seen anything from the Victorian government um, on, that, on that front. Dan Andrews did say he was considering uh, land tax relief at one stage about a week ago. I don't know what, I don't know if he went ahead with it, but he was talking about it. Yeah, I haven't heard that he has. Um, yeah, no, I haven't. On the other hand, they have actually promised that public housing rents won't increase um, because of either the job seeker or the um, superannuation. If anyone wants to claim the superannuation uh, during the coronavirus time, uh, public housing rents won't actually include those payments in their calculation of rent. As people know, people have to pay 25% of their income in rent in public housing. Uh, so it'll just mm. be more the other income, uh, which is similar in New South Wales as well, which is good. Um, so uh, we've already had reports of public housing tenants ringing up and um, instructing the department to put a hold on their payments and they have done so. Whereas I have heard of one tenant who said that the department did raise the rent in contravention of that undertaking and then denied doing it. So I haven't followed up about that, but that'll be interesting to follow up on. Um, yeah. And Howard, if the government um, if the government has said that they won't increase rent in public housing, does that translate to community housing that are run by community organisations? Yeah, I haven't heard about that. So yeah. they're not they're not subject to the normal government guidelines. So that I can't see there be anything stopping them from putting the rents up and including that in their calculate including those extra payments in their calculation of rent. And people should know that um, the uh, housing associations do actually include, they don't actually just include the um, extra um, Centrelink benefits in um, the calculation of a tenant's rent. They actually take all of it. So um, rent assistance payments, for example, um, for tenants in, in the housing associations are completely taken by the housing associations, they don't just take, they're supposed to only take 30% of the tenant's income. They take 100% of the rent assistance, whereas it could be argued they shouldn't take any of it. Um, in fact, that's what they used to do. They, uh, gradually over time, they've increased their take of the um, housing assistance. Um, and I don't know that there's actually ever been any explanation or examination of that. Yeah, well, that, that payment for most people on a Centrelink benefit would go straight into the uh, hands of the property owners, I'm sure, in, in all the private market rentals, I imagine. Yeah, um, well, I guess the thing is there, uh, you do have, um, it's kind of more of a market thing, so it's kind of more indirect, whereas with the housing associations, it's done as a percentage calculation. So I see. For them to, and, and for them to take all of it automatically, means there's kind of no negotiation over it. 
Okay. And how would the, the eviction of people from the housing estates that are being, in parentheses, redeveloped with the private sector, uh, is, is that ongoing or is that on hold now during this period? Well, all I've heard about is um, uh, Northcote. So Northcote was being evacuated and there were about five people left. And um, so those people are still in the process of moving. It's obviously very hard to move with social distancing and, and things like that. So yeah, yeah. one of the tenants has actually said she doesn't want to move in this period. Um, and I don't know, I'd, I'd be surprised if they could actually um, do any demolition work with appropriate physical isolation between the workers. Um, although they might try, I mean, the building industry seems to be treated differently from other industries at the moment. Um, so that remains to be seen. I haven't heard any official announcement about it. But, of course, North Melbourne was emptied ages ago. Um, mm. And uh, I think West Heidelberg's empty as well. Um, so I haven't heard of any other evictions starting yet. So, so do we know if those works are proceeding during this period or are they all just all on hold as well, just the works themselves? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard about that. Even for the yeah. last time, I haven't heard any reports at all. So I can't actually say. Yeah. On, on the broader question of rents generally, I mean, there seems to be mixed messages coming through. The government acted pretty quickly to get a res, res, resolution between commercial landlords and commercial tenants. And Solomon Liu, of course, said he wasn't going to pay any anyway. Um, but it, they seem to be dithering around the question of of, ten, of, of residential tenancies, and uh, they've, they've they've said there we know evictions, but in terms of just what people might pay in rent and how much of it, and whether it'll be up or down, whether they've got to pay at the end, uh, they don't seem to have come up with anything firm on any of that stuff. Yeah, that's true. So the federal government's made an announcement that there'll be no evictions. Um, yeah, but. And then it's up to, um, you know, they haven't actually said anything about rents. So it looks like what's happening is the, uh, the landlords can actually put up the rent and also keep charging rent as previously, even, you know, during the period when incomes are, gonna, uh, are going down or, or zero. Um, so, um, the, uh, again, the Victorian government has actually said this about, about rents. So um, they have actually... Um, on their website, they've actually put up a notice to say that um, uh, rents, renters should continue to pay their rent until they've reached an agreement with their landlord. So they're actually saying that you can reach an agreement with the landlord, but no, no landlord's going to agree to reduce the rent or waive the rent uh, unless there's some general push uh, within the, the market for that. Uh, whereas you would have hoped that the government would have actually made a declaration about that. And and they've also allowed eviction for non-payment of rent to go ahead. So they have, the Victorian government hasn't actually protected rent, renters in the way that the federal government is suggesting that they're, they're protected. So I'm not quite sure what, but, what that means. But would um, the... Would the, federal, would the federal declaration that there be no evictions override that state situation? You would hope so. But that's not what this statement from uh, the Victorian government says, which is actually, mm. this is actually um, uh, referred to as uh, corona, coronavirus annual rights. So presumably they've taken into account what the federal government's promised, and this is all they've come up with, uh, which is pretty pathetic. So 
you know, you would hope there'd be some advocacy from um, from the housing associations or Tenants Victoria, but I haven't seen any. And sure. you would also hope that the union movement would take it up, but the union movement's been silent on um, pretty much on, on the whole issue of renters. Uh, Trade Talk Council set up uh, a Facebook, uh, sorry, a, a web page asking for people to put their stories up, but they've done nothing in terms of publicising um, some very popular petitions that have been uh, put up by change.org. Uh, and I think change.org said that their, their petition on renters' rights was the most popular COVID um, petition that's, oh. that's been issued and something like half a million people have signed it. So that's without any help from the union movement, which is extremely disappointing, mm. um, given that yeah. you know, it's not just about wages, it's also about expenses when you're talking about workers', workers mm. economic interests. Um, and they've been asked to uh, to um, include those, you know, petitions in their in their um, websites, and they haven't done so. Um, so you wonder why, but anyway, um, that's them. Um, so I definitely encourage people to get onto. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure change.org and um, uh, what's the other one? Change.org and uh, get up. They've both got um, petitions about renters' rights. Uh, which would be definitely worth signing. Yeah, because if the federal government's saying there's no evictions, that's really unclear about what that specifically means. If someone stops paying their rent, yeah, then they can't be evicted. But, um, yeah, you have to try it and see, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if the police are called and they're following Victorian government directions, then they'll probably go ahead with it. But what does it mean? I mean if, you, if you're paying your rent, you're not going to be evicted anyway. So it's only, exactly. It's only yeah. <laughs> that it matters. Um, yeah. So yeah. again, you know, Victorian government failed. Sorry. Um, they, they have issued some directions about uh, for real estate agents for um, for physical uh, distancing, and uh, auctions have been banned for the moment. Um, and um, what else have they done? Uh, uh, there's also been other things come up in relation to um, to workers, uh, airline workers, um, who were um, uh, all international passengers were quarantined in hotels for two weeks, but not the staff, not the airline staff, and uh, the exemption was then rolled back so that um, airline crew then had to self-isolate either in hotels or at their homes. 14 days until the next flight but by that time some of them had already got coronavirus so uh, Australia again very slow to react and look at the issue of housing there um, as well we've, we've had reports that uh, military veterans have actually suffer a very high rate of homelessness something like over five percent homeless compared to about two percent of the general population so there'll be suffering even more than the general population in relation to the coronavirus and their homeless, homelessness problem. Um, mm. Yeah, so there's all these little things happening in relation to the different aspects of housing um, and they're not all going in the same direction. Um, and it'd be nice to see some, some help from uh, some of the, uh, the more powerful bodies 
in relation to that. Um, Another issue that's arisen is that um, landlords who have insurance against uh, against tenants not paying rent can't claim the insurance until they've evicted the tenant under the clauses in the in the in the insurance policies, and that's that's causing concern all over because a lot of a lot of landlords, in fairness, don't want to evict the tenant, but they can't claim the the insurance until they do. Um, are you aware of that one? No, I hadn't heard about that, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me, I suppose. That's, that's what happens with insurance companies, um, you know, trying to minimise and defer their liabilities. Mm. But again, that's something yeah. that government should just take it over, like they've taken over a whole lot of other things which can't cope with the uh, crisis because they're, they're profit-based. Yeah, and the other thing that yeah. often um, goes... Um, that isn't often discussed is uh, the communities of support that uh, develop in in the public housing estates, which have now been dispersed out to different places around Melbourne. Have you heard anything about um, how people are coping, considering that they've just had these massive um, moves of moving everybody out of estates and into different places where they're away from their support networks and their local um, resources and things like that? Well, I would imagine actually that those people would generally actually have already started adjusting because like a lot of the moves, say from North Melbourne, happened about oh, over a year ago. So they already would already be starting to integrate in their communities. And, and this is kind of a way of actually increasing the um, interaction or given physical isolation, you can still interact, right. you know, talk across your yeah, the threshold of your door to your next door neighbour sort of thing. So in some ways it's actually, you know, the public housing tenants will actually be doing better than the rest of us in terms of social interaction, I would think. Mm. Um, definitely the people that have been there for many years have definitely got very strong links already, which they'll be um, benefiting from. Mm. Yes, but I suppose one positive that at the moment is there was a deal done last week in which... Um, in which households and businesses will um, will not have their gas or electricity. The companies have promised they won't disconnect people during this crisis. So I suppose that's a positive for people who at least can can avoid that problem. Yeah, but I guess it'd be a similar sort of situation with um, with rent. So that I don't know, can Kevin, are they just deferring? I, I suspect I suspect so, and that's a problem with rent, of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, if at the end of it all, the landlord says, well, you now owe us six months' rent, um, I, there wouldn't be too many people who'd be able to fork out six months' rent in one go. Yeah, and I've heard that in the USA, they're um, deferring rents until the end of the lockdown. I'm not sure if it's every, every part of the USA, but at least some parts, and they've been given 12 months to pay it off. Um, that sounds really good, but the thing is, if you're paying it off plus paying your your, your rent from that date, um, and it is say there's a six month lockdown, that means you've got a fifty percent rent increase for the next twelve months, which is obviously yeah. possible. Before. Yeah, and if you've lost your job and then you, there's an unknown economic climate after the end of the lockdown, and you might have if you're struggling enough that you need to not pay your rent during the lockdown, then you're probably going to be struggling afterwards to pay your rent and more rent on top of that anyway. yeah well the good thing is in in australia at least um i think a lot of people will actually be able to afford their rent even though it might be high because when you think about it 
so I, I'm actually in this situation myself. I don't have any um, wage income at the moment. Uh, and I can actually, I've actually registered with Senderlink, but they haven't allowed me to fill in the claim form yet. They, they haven't gotten back to me. I've been waiting over two weeks now, and I think there'll be other people in the same situation. So I don't have any yeah. income. Um, so, you know, there'd be a lot of people that wouldn't be able to afford their rent in this situation until they can actually get that claim in and the money right. starts being paid. But even if you're on Newstart, which is five fifty a fortnight, it's not a lot of money, but you're getting you can get rent assistance. And then once um, Job Seeker starts uh, at the end of April, which is about a week and a half away, your income will go up to um, uh, eleven hundred a fortnight or five hundred fifty a week. So you should be able to, if you're a single person. So you should be able to afford rent. I think most people would be able to afford rent, especially when you don't have expenses. As right. per usual, you can't travel, you, you can't really go out to entertainment. So you know, won't be spending much money apart from essentials anyway. And then if you're on JobKeeper, you're getting actually 1500 a fortnight, which is 750 a week. So it should be even more affordable in that situation. So like even the yeah. people on, um, so casuals, uh, many casuals can't get JobKeeper, but they can still get JobSeeker. So the mm. people that are really missing out are the uh, foreign workers, I don't think they're getting anything from the government. They've been told they can go back to their home countries, but that's it's really bad, obviously, in terms of the spread of coronavirus to do that. We're, yeah. we're potentially spreading coronavirus to other countries, um, whereas they should be isolating here, and obviously they need help, financial help, the same as the rest of us. So it's just an exactly. investment the government should be undertaking, which they're not willing to. Um, yeah. And, you know, playing on xenophobia again probably to avoid that you know people think oh yeah what the hell they're not australian citizens anyway so unfortunately and the i mean the union movement is is definitely putting a lot of pressure on the government in relation to that point you know the petitions are actually including um that there should be uh, access to job keeper for um the foreign workers mm. Uh, mm. especially if they actually can't get home which is the case for a lot of people there aren't any flights for them to take at this point yeah. Anyway. yeah um so we've just got a couple more minutes you're listening to city limits on 3cr kevin do you have any final questions for how before we finish up well i was going to raise the logic of the fact that if landlords can say okay six months you don't pay the rent but when it's up well whatever six months whatever time it takes for this to come to an end then you've got to back pay all the rent you owe then i would have thought logically then employers should have to back pay all the wages the government's paid for them for that period um that seems quite logical to me howard what do you think of that i disagree <laughs> yeah, yeah i think we all agree on to that um, <laughs> yeah, did I get my logic right? <laughs> Good heavens. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Now, now, one thing I'll point out, though, is um, with the difference between the treatment of uh, people who have a mortgage and the people that have, have to pay rent, because what the banks are doing, and it's a good thing, the, the banks are actually deferring mortgage payments, which means that they're still owed, but they're actually being added to the actual remainder of the loan. Um, which means you don't actually have to pay it back over 12 months. You pay it back over the, the remained, remaining term of the loan, which could be up to 30 years. So, mm. it's, uh, so whereas a tenant might have to pay it back in a very short period of time. Um, so, yeah. if you, think about, you know, six months 
mortgage payments deferred for 30 years, that's virtually nothing um, from the point of view of the person who holds a mortgage. So it's a good way to do it. And the government should obviously be thinking about something like that in terms of mm. repayment of um, rent owed. But as I said, you know, I, I think I don't think it's quite as bad as it, it sounds, you know, like when you un, until you consider the amount that the government's actually giving in terms of job seeker and job keeper. Yeah, well, let's hope so, because, um, you know, it, it, a few weeks ago, at least it was looking quite dire for anyone who had a low income or no income anymore and, and was facing mm. rental. Mm. So we can only hope it can be sorted out. Yeah. Right, well, that might be it for the show for today. Thanks for joining us, Howard. Great. Worth the wait. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Howard. And, uh, and also, um, look, thanks to you, Meg, and particularly to Corita, who's doing great work there in terms of the technology with this program and the people back at 3CR, of course, who are... Um, who are putting it all together again as well. I'm just sitting here talking, so I've got no idea what the technology is going on around me, but it's all happening. Um, but next week, um, next week um, we're going to be talking to Helen Vandenberg again um, about problems at Parks Victoria, but uh, a really interesting story, actually. So we'll, we'll bring that story to you next week, hopefully, because we'll, we'll, sure, we'll keep going this way for the next few weeks until there's all sorts of stuff out. Exactly. Okay. You know, just one thing, you could actually have... Um, invite your listeners in to participate in a Zoom conference and have a live show, you know. <laughs> How many <laughs> listeners do you think we have, Howard? Karina's <laughs> <laughs> having a fit. <laughs> that, that's what I mean. You know, with all the, all the, you know, five, ten listeners we've got. <laughs> exactly. But I actually had a, Zoom, had a Zoom conference the other day with 60 um, people on it. And it wow. Wow. Right, well, 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 Kevin yeah. and Karina and I can discuss that and, uh, behind the yeah. scenes. We'll, we'll let yeah. you know. No, we don't, we, we don't want to embarrass ourselves. <laughs> All right. Okay, thanks, Howard. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.